Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. What we do in life echoes into eternity. It's true. It's probably one of the truest statements Russell Crowe's ever made. What we do in life echoes into eternity. Our lives are far more impactful than I think we really give credit for. Every moment that you live on this earth is somehow translating into eternity. Now think about that for a second. Everything that you do in this life affects something in eternity. It has some bearing on you and, and what, the what and when of eternity for you. It, you know, I don't know that we really think about that too much in our daily lives. When you wake up in the morning, you're thinking, hey, I'm going to impact eternity today. Something I do today is going to make a difference. Every moment that I live my life today is going to matter in eternity. The decisions that we make, the battles that we fight, the people that we touch, all translate into eternity. And you know what doesn't translate into eternity? Our popularity on earth. Our economic impact. You know, these things have no bearing whatsoever in eternity as far as you know they relate to us and yet these are the very things that we live for and that mindset even translates into Christians doesn't it where we start to pursue you know uh, popularity where we pursue prosperity where we pursue happiness and yet none of those things are gonna do anything for you in eternity and unless you use them for the Lord Unless you use the platform for the sake of eternity. That's kind of what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about, you know, making impact for eternity. Actually doing something today and, and seeing it translate into something greater for eternity. So I want to remind you this morning that what you do in life echoes in eternity. It really does. We've been traveling through the Gospels on Sunday mornings and through the life and the ministry of Jesus in chronological order in, in a sermon series called the Follow Me series. As I've been praying about, Lord, what, what would you have me to do on New Year's Day? What would you have me to, to, to speak about? To, to, what, what is your message for you people? And the Lord has just been preparing my heart for this, for this message, for this ministry, for this series that we're going to partake of in the last next couple weeks. It's called Arise. It's called Arise. It's call, God is calling you, me, this church to arise, to surface, to actually be, make some impact in the community of Columbia. You guys ready for this? Man, I, I can't tell you how excited I am because the Lord has just been stirring in my heart. You know, we have such an incredible group of people here that love beyond. Like, one of the greatest compliments that I think you can get as a pastor is every time I come to your church, I really feel loved, Right? And that's what I hear all the time. Man, that congregation is such a loving congregation. Listen, I, I don't want to be known for anything else. I want to be known for a congregation that loves because Jesus told us that's how they'll know that we're his, is by our love for one another. And man, we have so much love to give out, and God is calling us to go into this community in 2017 and make an impact to show the grace of God to people that haven't been shown the grace of God. I don't know how much you know about this city, but in the 35,000 residents of Columbia, 
52% of them are unchurched. 52% of them are unchurched. Why is that? Because there's not enough churches? Oh, there's plenty of churches. The problem is there's not many genuine churches. There's not a lot of authentic Christians. And so what is God calling us to do to be the church? Not calling us to build our church, but he's calling us to build the church. He's calling us to go in and to show the people in this community the grace of God. Unmerited favor, just like he showed you one day. He showed you, hey, you have nothing to offer me. You have nothing to offer me but a bag of sin. You know, and yet I love you and I want you to come just as you are. And I want to minister to you so that I can transform your life. And let me tell you something. When we, as the church, go into a community with that heart to show the grace of God, to love people right where they are, the unlovable, because not because they're lovable, but because the God that created them loves them, when we go into a community like that, your life will change. God will transform your life. And I believe that God has some great things in store for us in 2017 as a church. Now, I don't know what the map looks like. I don't know what the road map looks like for all of 2017. What I know is God is calling us to arise. Listen, time is short. Time is very short. And, and you know, you hear that all the time, and yet that, that doesn't really impact your life anymore because you're stuck in the mundane, you know, rigmarole of your life. And God is saying, don't get stuck there. Wake up like today is a new day. Wake up like tomorrow. God has something planned for you. He's got something planned for you in this moment. Are you ready for it? Because I promise you, you will miss many things if you're not ready. God is telling you to prepare your heart for 2017. And man, I'm excited. God has been stirring this message up in my heart, and I want to share it with you this morning. We're going to be in the book of Joshua for the next few weeks. And we're going to look at how God took a man and stirred a vision in his heart, and then he brought, he, he brought the people with him into the promised land, into the land flowing with milk and honey. It's a great story. It's a redemptive story. It's a faithful story of God himself doing exactly what he promised to do. He told Abraham long before this happened. He took him to this place where the land where he would show him, it was the promised land. And he said, hey, look around. As far as you can see that way or this way or east or west or south or north, as far as you can see this land I'm giving you. And yet, he was going to make him a great nation. This nation is about ready to come into the promised land. They've been in captivity for quite some time, and now the Lord is going to bring them into the land. Listen, we've been in existence for seven years. This is our eighth year as a church. And you know what? You know, as a pastor... One of the things you hate to hear, oh, I didn't know you were there. Didn't know you were there. Not because I care about people knowing we're here, but because I know we have the authentic message of truth and love, and we're going to minister to people. And the fact of the matter is, is that we have to get outside the four walls of this place into the community that God's called us to reach. He called us to go into all the world, right? Into your Samaria, your Judea, your Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He's calling us to go into our Judea, which is this little community right here. And as we start to reach into the community and minister to these people, and we start to watch God rescue people from sin, we start to see people, you know, addictions fall off of people. We start to see people come to salvation. We start to see people who were hurt by the church mend their ways and start to be, begin in that loving relationship back into the church with the Lord. 
Man, it's going to be incredible, and God's going to do these things. But we have to arise. We have to arise. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. As, as I've been praying about this, uh, the Lord put on my heart the theme of 2017 to take back our city. Take back our city. Take, our, take back our city from who? From the enemy. Take back our city from the enemy. Do you know the enemy has used the church in this community to push people away from Jesus? You know, when we first planted the church, the Lord told me, told my wife and I both, you know, really, my mission for you is to reach those who have been hurt by the church. Those who have been hurt by the church? You mean the church hurts people? Yeah. They do, through legalism, through man-centered things, through, you know, heaping things upon men that, aren't, they, that, that the leaders themselves aren't even able to keep. So the Lord said, I want you to go into that community and start to reach those who have been hurt by the church. But we're going to go after those people. We're going to love on them. We're gonna, and, and they're not going to be easy to reach, are they? No, they're not, because they've been hurt by the church. But you know how you're going to reach them? Through relationship. You know, you're going to reach him by, through love. You're not going to reach him by quoting Bible verses to him. You're not going to reach him by saying, hey, you know what? In Hebrews, the Bible tells us that you shouldn't forsake the gathering of the people, right? You're in sin because you're not in church. It's not how you reach people that have been hurt by the church. You love them. You love them right where they are. And God is going to help us build bridges into the community through these people that are stuck in sin in some way. That, are, that have been hurt by the church in some way, and he wants to use you. The question is, will you arise? Joshua chapter 1, verse 3, the Lord gave me this verse. And he said this, Every place that the sole of your feet will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. Now that's an incredible promise. If you're Joshua, if you're Moses, if you're taking the people into the promised land, you need a promise like that. Because this is not an easy task. Listen, God said he, he was going to give them the land, but they were going to have to fight for it. But, he, but they had one secret weapon, man. They had the Lord. He was with them, and he would be with them. And, and we'll see as we go through this journey that God went before them. He went, through, he went before them, and he prepared the way for them, just as he will for us. But listen, it's going to take all of us. It's take every single one of us that, that are called to this church, that feel part of this body, to say, hey, this is my church. I, I, I'm part of this community here, but it's going to take every single one of you. God has created you for something in his body. God has created you for something. And here in the next couple of weeks, we want to kind of work through that with you. We want, to, we want to pray with you. We want to minister to you. We want to see what is God calling you to do? What, is God, what are your giftings? What is the Lord doing in your life? What is he calling you to Maybe you've been neglecting the call. Maybe you, in 2016, you have some regrets. You're saying, man, I didn't do what the Lord told me to do. And so I want to step into 2017 in the center of the will of God. Listen, we want to, we want to, we want to help you do that. We want to be here to help you do that. We want to, um, you know, grab a hold of you. We want, to, we want to pray with you. We want the Lord to kind of reveal what his will is for you. You know, one of the things that is difficult for us when people come to us and say, hey, how can I get involved? You know, it's for me to just to plug a hole. Well, here, just do this. If we do that, chances are we could plug you in the wrong place. The, the question is, is what is God calling you to do? That's really the question. And we want to wrestle that out with you. 
Listen, some of you don't, have never really considered, God, what is your plan for my life? What do you have for me? You know, and he would tell you, listen, all you got to do is seek me. All you got to do is get on your knees and start to pray, and I'll, I'll reveal myself to you. I'll show you what I want you to do. But if you're too caught up and too busy to seek his face, then you're really going to be confused and not really know what he is going to want for you. You have to seek his face. We want to help you. We want to be intentional about that in 2017 with you and help you plug into the body and serve wherever the Lord would call you to serve. It's going to take all of us. And listen, as we move into the sanctuary in, in February or March or whatever it is, whenever they're finished, it's going to take us all, man. They're, God is going to bring people here, and we're going to have to minister to these people. And so you have a job to do. What is that job? I don't know. I can't answer that question for you. But we want to pray with you. The elders of the church, we want to gather with you. We want to sit down with you. We want to work through what it is is your gifting and, and what it, you believe God is calling you to do. This is all part of the greater mission that he's calling us to know Christ and then make him known. You play a part in that. 52% of the residents in our community are unchurched, man. One of the reasons it could be is because, uh, you know, people don't either want Jesus or because they don't like what they see, Right? The famous quote from Gandhi, you know, he said, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. How about we show Columbia what Jesus looks like? How about we walk into the community and show them what tangible Jesus looks like in imperfect flesh as we just love people where they are? That's what the Lord has for us. Stand with me, if you would, please. We're going to read Joshua chapter 1. We're going to look at a few verses here. We're kind of doing a survey, so we're going, to, we're going to take three chapters this morning, and we're going to probably, it'll be a four or five week uh, series, who knows. We've been doing the Follow Me series for a couple years, so you never know. Whatever the Lord wants, right? Joshua chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, it says this, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I'm giving to them, to the people of Israel, every place that the sole of your foot uh, will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall uh, cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it or to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong 
and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. For this glorious text showing the faithfulness of you, Lord. Helps us to understand the spiritual battles that we face. That although we might find ourselves in difficult moments in life, that you've already gone before us. That you've given us the victory. It doesn't really matter what it looks like on the outside. The reality is, is that we've been promised victory through Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, today, we're just asking you to help us as we begin our new year to start out on the right foot, to see that you're for us, God, that you're not against us, to see that you've gone before us in our life. You have paved a path for us, Lord. You have something great in mind. Lord, we want to bend to your will this morning, whatever it might be. Lord, we, we surrender our lives to you even now. We ask you to speak to us through this text, through your word, by your spirit, about your son, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You can be seated. Now, Joshua, the name in the Hebrew means Yahweh is salvation. Yahweh is salvation. It's pretty cool. He's a savior. Joshua. Did you know that Jesus' name translated into Hebrew is Joshua? It's the same name. Joshua is a type of Jesus in the Old Testament. You read about, uh, you know, Joshua in, in, in the Old Testament. He takes the people into the promised land. How do we get to the promised land? Through the Joshua of the New Testament, Jesus Christ. He brings us into the promised land. It's a picture uh, you know, we teach the whole counsel of God here for the, this very reason because there are so many incredible things weaved into Scripture. So many pictures that God wants to show us about His Son. So many things. He desires to reveal Himself in all kinds of ways to us. Here we have a picture of Jesus in the Old Testament. In fact, when we get uh, next week, we'll, we'll see that Joshua actually has an encounter with somebody that probably most likely is a pre-incarnation of Jesus himself, a Christophany. We'll see that. Joshua is a savior to his people. They've been in the wilderness. They've been wandering. They've been wondering, Lord, what are you up to? Maybe you're here this morning and that's your dilemma. Lord, what have you been up to? I feel like I've been spinning my wheels here in Tennessee. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know what I'm doing. And God would say, hey, there's a timing thing. It's in my time. God now is calling Joshua to take the people of Israel into the promised land. He is giving Joshua the reins of Israel. Moses was the leader that God called to do that. And guess what? As a result of his sin, he was disqualified from doing it. Now that's a bummer. If you're Moses and you lead the people out of Egypt and you're thinking, man, God, God's done such great things. Why don't these people get it? Why don't they see the great things that he's done? Why don't they surrender themselves to him? And yet, he himself, God was working on, wasn't he? The Lord told him, hey, Moses, 
I want you to speak to this rock. He already struck it once and, and water came out, but this particular time, the Lord said, now I want you to speak. Again, it was an illustration of the rock, Jesus Christ. He'd be struck once, not twice. And he told Moses, you speak to the rock now, and water will flow from it. And Moses was angry with the people. You want water? I'll give you water. And he strikes the rock again. Right there, disobedience to the Lord. Numbers chapter 20, verse 12, it says this. Because you did not believe in me to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land that I have given them. Because of his disobedience. Because of his own sin. My family and I, last year, not 2016, 2015, it's already 2017, whoa. In 2015, in November, we were on Mount Nebo, the very last place Moses was, this is where he died, is in Jordan, on the east side of the Jordan River, just a little bit northeast of the, sea, of the Dead Sea. I stood there as I overlooked the Jordan River, the promised land beyond it, and I wondered to myself, what was Moses thinking when he stood here looking over this valley that was going into the promised land? What was his heart saying? Oh, man, Lord, I blew it. Such a bummer. You had such great plans for me. And yet, because of my disobedience, I don't get to experience your, your best. Filled with regret, no doubt. And yet God's a redemptive God. He would say, hey, you know the mistakes you've made? I can redeem them. It's, you're, you're not completely unusable. You're just not as blessed as you could be. And so he would now tell Joshua, hey, you're going to take up the reins. Moses blew it. He didn't do what the Lord called him to do. And maybe you're here this, this morning and you're on a completely different trajectory in life because of some decisions that you made that were outside of the Lord. He said, hey, don't get into that relationship. Don't, get, don't take that job. Don't do this. Don't do that. And you did it anyway. And the Lord would say, hey, listen, I can redeem anything. All you do is surrender to me. I can redeem it. But you're just not as blessed as you would have been. God wants his best for us, and his best is what is best for us. So listen, 2017, be obedient to the Lord. Do what he tells you to do. We need to learn from our mistakes and do what the Lord tells us to do the first time. Because here, here we see there's one thing for sure. You, I, us, we're replaceable. We're replaceable. God would tell Joshua, hey, you're going to replace Moses. You're going to take the people into the land. In order for Joshua to experience all that God has for him, though, he has to answer the call. He has to answer the call to step into the role that God has for him, to experience the victories that he has for him. He can't, he can't experience all the victories, he, every place that his soul, uh, soul of his foot places, unless he goes somewhere, unless he arises, unless he does what God calls him to do. He's calling you to rise in some way, shape, or form this morning. 
and he has great things in store for you. The question is, will you do them? What would stop you? What would stop him? It's a four-letter word. You know it. Fear. Fear would stop you. What are you afraid of? You afraid of failure? Are you afraid to succeed? What are you afraid of? Maybe it's not God. Maybe it is. Listen. Fear is a snare. It'll stop you in your tracks dead if you let it. But here's what I know. Is just because I walk with Jesus doesn't mean that I don't become, that I don't face fear at times. Listen, I'll be the first to say I face fear all the time. I I have things that come into my life all the time that I I can choose to either discourage me and, and, and weigh me down and stop me dead in my tracks, or I can choose to rise above the fear and I can choose to walk it out. And listen, what I found is every time, every time I choose to rise above the fear, God meets me where I am, and it always works out way better. Anybody with me on that? Anybody with me? Listen, God will meet you where you are, but you have to take the step. You have to answer the call. He's not going to fill you with courage and boldness to take the step. If it, He wants you to take the step, and then he'll fill you with courage and boldness. Do you trust him? Because if you don't trust him, if you don't have faith in him, then really you're not going to be able to please him. And so God would say to you, make 2017 a year of faith. Make it a year where you rise above your fears. Stop worrying about the things that you've been worrying about. You know, maybe you're sitting here today and you haven't stepped into a role for something that God called you to do last year. And you're like, man, I blew it. I sh- God was calling me to do this thing or that thing. And I told him, oh, I'm too busy right now. or I'm, I, I can't do this or that. For whatever reason, the Lord would say to you today, pray, seek his face, and then do what he tells you to do. If he's calling you to the same thing, then step into it. Don't assume that he called you what he called you to 2016 is what he's calling you to 2017, though. It may be something different. Here's here's what I'm here to tell you, is that if you allow uh, your inabilities to get in the way, you'll never serve God. You'll never serve God because you're not capable to do the things that he's calling you to do. Do you know that? In your flesh, he's not going to see like, oh, you're just naturally gifted at this, so do it. Listen, you may have some bend towards it, but listen, God is going to God is going to have to make the difference up between what you're gifted at and what he's calling you to because they're two different things. Like he's not a horizontal God that says, well, I can only use you this much because you're human. No, no. I do the supernatural with the human. And that's what he wants to do in your life, but you have to let him. And that takes faith. There's no way that I would have ever dreamed that I would stand here today and I would be preaching the gospel, I'd be teaching the Bible in Columbia, Tennessee. Even 10 years ago, I didn't necessarily even think that. I had to answer the call when God spoke to my heart, when I prayed, Lord, what, it is it, what is it that you would have for my life? What do you want to do with me, Lord? And the Lord would say, Tim, I want you to do this. Oh, man, that's a, that's a big call, Lord. You know that that's going to take some courage on my end. Yeah, be strong and courageous. You're going to have to rise up and answer the call. And it's going to be beyond you. And I'm going to, I'm going to enable you, and I'm going to gift you, and I'm going to pour my spirit into you. I'm going to empower you 
but you got to take the steps. Some of you know what I'm talking about because you're in that, that place right now where you're afraid to move. And the Lord's just saying, take a step, man. Take a step. Try me. Try me. And watch that I'm not faithful. I'm going to meet you right where you are. God tells Joshua uh, three times in verses 5 through 9, be strong and courageous. Why? Because he was afraid. Listen, this is a man that sat at the feet of God, that watched him do incredible things, the right hand of, of Moses. He was a guy that was there at the tent of meetings, that sat in God's presence. He experienced much of what Moses experienced. And yet, the Lord's reminding him to be strong and of courageous. Maybe God's reminding you this morning about who he is and about what he's capable of. And he's saying to you, be strong and courageous. Listen, I'm going to stick you in situations that are going to be a little scary if you're depending on yourself. But if you're depending on me, you can trust me, and you just have to take those steps and rise above the fear. That's what Joshua had to do. He had to be strong and courageous. Why? because he had to rise above the fear. But God told him, I'm with you. You don't have to worry about it. I'm going to walk this out. In fact, I'm going to go before you. I'm going to take care of this. And as we get into the, the, the battles and the, these things, you'll see that God has already gone before him. He's done it for him. The victory is theirs if they'll just do what he says. If they'll rise above the fear, if they'll walk out their faith. Listen, if you want to experience the best that God has for you, in 2017, you have to answer the call. That's number one. Number two, we see Joshua step into this role in verses 10 through 18 of chapter 1. And he commands the people. Listen to this. Joshua chapter 1, verse 10. And Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your, for your provisions. Prepare your provisions for within three days you are to pass over this Jordan to take uh, to go into the uh, take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. And to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the word that, uh, that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, The Lord your God is providing you a place of rest. And will he give you this land? Your wives, your little ones, and your livestock shall remain in the land that Moses gave you beyond the Jordan, but all the men of valor among you shall pass over armed before your brothers and shall help them until the Lord gives rest to your brothers as he has to you and they also take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it the land that that Moses the servant of the Lord gave you beyond the Jordan toward the, the sunrise and they answered Joshua all that you have commanded us we we will do and whatever you send us, we, wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your commandment and disobeys your words, whoever your, uh, you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. And Joshua takes this calling seriously. He steps into the role. Well, what if they don't listen to me? What if they don't think I'm, you know, wasn't that Moses' problem? 
Why would they listen to me? I'm not a great speaker. I'm not eloquent. I'm not this. I'm not that. But, but Joshua says, no, I'm going to rise above the fear, and I'm going to step into my role, and I'm going to command the people to prepare for three days. Now, ladies, three days to pack your stuff up and get ready to go. Is that a lot of time? Not a lot of time. Are you ready to do that? Your husband comes home, three days, let's go. We're out of here, right? You're like, uh, my wife would kill me. My wife, like I would be, you know, like instead of the deer mounted on my, above my fireplace, it would be me up there. My wife would be like, uh-uh, that ain't happening. Three days. It's interesting that it's three days. It's interesting that it's three days of preparation before they go into the promised land, isn't it? I mean, Jesus was three days in the grave, and then he took all who were w with him, who believed in him, into the promised land. It's a picture. It's a picture of us going into the promised land as we, by faith, believe in him. But it was three days, and he told the people, he told the commanders of the people, the, you know, the, the, the leaders of the 12 tribes, he said, you go into your, into your area and you tell the people to get ready, make preparation. What I found in my life is that God doesn't give me a lot of time to prepare for what he's putting me into. Why? Because time is often our enemy. And if we have enough time to think about it, we'll talk ourselves out of it. Oh, was that really God? I'm not sure if it was or not. Oh, that was just coincidence. I don't think God really wants me to do that. And before you know it, you're not doing what he told you to do. And you're praying, you know, a week, two weeks, a month, whatever, three months down the road, Lord, what would you have me to do? And he's like, I already told you, you're not doing it. And you're like, well, how come you're not answering me, Lord? I already told you what to do. You're not doing it. A lot of situations that I'm put in, have the Lord give me time to think about it, I wouldn't have done it. But listen, there is no, uh, there, there's something that goes on my brain, maybe you can relate, I don't know if you can, my brain's kind of weird, but maybe you can relate to this, that when I'm, when the Lord prompts me to do something, my, my immediate thought goes, oh, if I don't, I'm going to regret this. It's like, I know what it feels like to regret not stepping into God's role. I don't want to feel that way. So I would rather step over the fear into whatever he's calling me to do and, and, and do what he's calling me to do, um, you know, rather than deal with that. Anybody with me on that? Like, I want to be right. I don't want to deal with the, the idea that maybe I missed out on something great that God wanted to do in my life. I don't know what level of faith you have, but what I can tell you is we serve a big God far bigger than you're capable of even comprehending, right? And he can do things far greater than you, than you could ever even comprehend, and he may call you to do something crazy. If he gives you enough time, you're going to not do it because it's crazy. It's beyond your ability. When Moses stood at the Red Sea, do you think the Lord told him before they left, hey, Moses, you're going to Run, run up against the Red Sea. The, the Egyptians are going to be coming following you. They're going to hammer, they're going to be bearing down on you and you're going to be, you know, backed up to the Red Sea and I'm going to say, lift your staff. Do you think he told him that? No. Why? I don't think he would have gone. Uh, that sounds crazy. I'm not doing it. 
right? But it wasn't until he got in the situation that the Lord said, lift your staff. Lift your staff. He had a decision to make. Will I do it or not? He did it and the Red Sea parted. What Red Seas does he want to part in your life? What things does he want to do in your life? you got to trust him. And I'm not saying we can create miracles. What I'm saying is God creates miracles. He does miracles even today. And I wonder if the reason why we're not experiencing that much in our lives is because we don't believe him. We don't believe him enough that he would do those things. We know he's capable, but we're just not sure if he'd do that for us, right? I mean, that's, that's like, a, that's Bible stuff. That's not like a 21st century Christianity. God doesn't do that stuff anymore. Why? He's the same yesterday and today forever. Why doesn't he do those things today? So you've got to answer the call. And then Joshua steps into the call. Thirdly, we see the consideration, Joshua chapter 2, where it says, Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two, spy, two men direct, uh, secretly from Shittim as spies, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. And they went and came into the house of a prostitute whose name is Rahab and lodged there. Joshua, in consideration of, of the time to come, he, he tells the he, he sends out spies into the land. Now, he knows what that's like because he was a spy once. He stepped into that role. He did that. Never do we see the Lord tell him to do that here. We don't see God say, hey, Joshua, send in spies to the land and check it out. Nor do we see the Lord reprimand him for, for, for uh, you know, doing that. But yet he does it. Why? Might I suggest to you just to he want, he, he's, he's the commander of the, these people, and he's saying, hey, I want to I see what's ahead. Lord, I know that you've already gone before me. And it was the Lord using Joshua's decision to do that to bring peace to the people, you'll see. So what happens is he sends these spies secretly, because last time they sent them publicly, like 10 of them came back, and it didn't work out good for them. They, they discouraged the whole body. And yet, so the Lord sends the two, or he sends the two in. They find themselves hidden, and they find themselves being revealed um, at a prostitute's house in Jericho. They're, they're sent out secretly, and all of a sudden they're made known publicly in the very place that they're seeking out. Here's the interesting thing, is Rahab, who has nothing to gain by hiding these guys, right? I mean, you, you'd think that she would stick up for her countrymen. She knows that they're coming into the land, and yet she would, she would side with these two spies. The reality is that that shows where her fear was. She feared God more than she feared man. And she said, you know what? I know that your God is coming into this land, whether I like it or not. And who, can I, who am I to stand against what God's going to do? So I'm going to side with him. She made a decision. She chose to side with the Lord. And because of that... Not because she lied, but because of her decision to side with God. He gave her immunity, and he said, I'm, when I come into this land, we won't take you out. We will, your whole family will survive because of you choosing. You chose life. That's a picture of salvation. But we choose to fear God more than we fear man. And finally, we get to the consecration in Joshua chapter 3, verse 5. 
It says, Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Now, it's been three days. Keep that in mind. This is three days. He gave the command. Three days we're going to go over. Now, it's about three days. He says, Tomorrow, this is the second day. Tomorrow, you're going to see God do wonders among you. So consecrate yourself. What does that mean? Is that Christianese for something? What does it mean? Consecrate yourself. To set yourself apart for his service, for whatever he wants to do in your life. To consecrate yourself. You know, it's to sanctify yourself. In the, in the New Testament, uses that word. To be holy, same word. The idea is to set apart your life for his purpose, whatever he wants to do. Consecrate yourself. Because in that consecration of yourself, you're going to see God do mighty things. But if you don't consecrate yourself, you're not going to see these things. It's in the consecration, it's in the surrender to the Lord that you're going to see great things. Joshua's telling these guys to prepare themselves, to commit themselves to the Lord, and they're going to see wonders. What were the wonders? Well, the very first one was that they're going to find themselves at a Jordan River that is normally 100 feet wide. It's like a canal, normally. But they're going to find themselves at harvest time, when the flood, at flood stage, where it's a mile wide, where the current is, in some places, is rushing about 40 miles an hour, and the Lord's going to say, now cross. Be like, what? Cross? Yeah, you got to do it my way, though. You can't do it your way. you got to consecrate yourself. you got to set yourself apart for me, and you have to let me lead. So he tells the people, you stay 3,000 feet behind the Ark of the Covenant. That's the meeting place with God and man, the mercy seat. At the, at the bottom of the two angels that would cover the mercy seat area where they would bring the blood once a year to cover the sin of the people. That was the, where God would meet with man. And the Lord would tell them, say 3,000 feet behind it, you can't see it or you'll die. 3,000 feet is a long way. So I don't know if you tried to see 3,000 feet, but it's a long way. But he told them, as soon as the sole of the foot of the priest hit the water, that the water would stop. And so they prepare, they take the Ark of the Covenant, they, 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 hit, the, they hit the bank, the priests step into the water, and the water stops, and it literally says it piled up. It piled up. You ever seen water stop and then just pile up? Outside of a dam? Probably not. But it did. The wonders of the Lord as a result of their consecration. And it says in chapter 3 that they walked over the Jordan River, which was a mile wide at the time, on dry ground. On dry ground. They, had, they wouldn't have seen that had they not consecrated themselves. I'm going to do it my way, Lord. I, I'm pretty sure, Dan, don't you think we can swim this thing? I think we probably can. We could build a raft. I mean, you know, Huck Finn did it. I'm pretty sure we could find some wood. We can do that. No. The Lord, we can't get ahead of the Lord. We can't try and figure out his plans. We have to just submit to his plan. And we have to do it his way. So the Lord would, would tell us this morning... Listen, I'm going to reveal things to you, but you have to consecrate yourself. You have to set yourself apart to me. And as you do that, and as you allow me to lead you, I'm going to, you're going to see wonders. You're, you're going to see amazing things. 
You're going to watch people get saved. You ever led somebody to Christ before? Do you know how incredible that is? To watch somebody be rescued out of their sin? To watch them who were dead become alive? That is a miracle. And listen, God is in the miracle business, and I believe that there's other things that God is going to do in your life as you consecrate yourself to him, but you've got to consecrate yourself. How do you think revival happens? Does it just happen? God's just like, oh, I think I'll pour my spirit out here. You know how it happens? When the heart of man is surrendered to God and God begins to move. That's how it happens. All he needs is a little surrender. Listen, so oftentimes people are praying for revival. I want revival, I want revival, I want revival. And it's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's not a work of man. I want revival, God. I want revival, God. But yet, I'm not willing to sacrifice the sin in my life to see it take place in me, let alone my community. You've got to set yourself apart. You have to empty yourself in order to be filled. Lord, fill me with your spirit. Fill, fill me overflowing, O Lord. And the Lord's saying, I'm trying to fill you, but you're already full. You're too full. You've got too many things in your life already. You don't have enough room for me. John Corson illustrated it this way. He said, you know, oftentimes, if you take a glass and you fill it with rocks and then you take a pitcher of water and you try and fill that glass of water, it's only going to fill so much. Those rocks are occupying precious space for that water. No matter how much you continue to pour into that glass, it's only going to be, it's only going to fill so much and it's just going to spill over and be a waste. The only way that you can change that situation is to take the rocks out. you got to take the rocks out. And the Lord would say, those rocks represent sin in your life. And you got to take the rocks out of your life. you got to get the rocks out so that he can fill you overflowing. You want to be filled with the Spirit? Sacrifice yourself. Empty yourself. Allow him to, to, to overflow you. You know? That's what, he's, that's what he desires. The Great Welsh Revival of 1904-1905. A guy named Evan Roberts, pastor in training. He just begins to pray. For 13 years, he's praying, God, pour your spirit out on me. Pour your spirit out on me, Lord. And it ends up that he's at a, at a, a retreat, some camp, some training somewhere in Welch. And, and there was a man named... Um, Evan, uh, Seth Joshua, and he preached a sermon on a Thursday morning. And at the end of his sermon, he prayed a very simple prayer, Lord, bend me. Lord, bend me. So Evan Roberts, the next day, was moved by that prayer, and he came back to the meeting with the people again, and they were praying, and, and they just, he just started crying out, Lord, bend me. Lord, bend me. And he said, he said this, he experienced the Holy Spirit in such a way. He said, I felt a living power pervading my bosom. It took my breath away and my, my legs trembled exceedingly. This living power became stronger and stronger as each one prayed until I felt it would tear me apart. My whole bosom was a turmoil and if I had not prayed it, would burst. I fell on my knees with my arms over my, the seat in front of me. My face was bathed in perspiration. The tears flowed in, in streams. I cried out, bend me, bend me. It was God's commending love which bent me. What a wave of peace flooded my bosom. I was filled with compassion for those who 
must bend at the judgment, and I wept. Following that, the salvation of the human soul was solemnly oppressed, impressed upon me. I felt ablaze with the desire to go through the length and breadth of Wales to tell of the Savior. Oh, some people have the gift of evangelism. I would say that if the Holy Spirit's poured out on you as you consecrate yourself for, for him and for his purpose, you will have the gift of evangelism. You'll see lost people, and you'll have a desire to help them. But it's oftentimes the busyness of our own lives. We got our own problems. We got all this stuff going on in our lives that keeps us away, that shields us from really what the Lord would have us to do. It's a sin in our life, whatever it is. Listen, what I know is that I want to be emptied of the Lord. I want, to, I want him to bend me to his will. I don't want to bend God to my will. I want him to bend me to his will. And so that's the prayer for, for us. As we start 2017, that, that God's will would be done in your life. Whatever he wants. When you came in, you received a little scroll. That, that is, there's three things I want to show you from that scroll. And if you didn't get one um, after the service, if you would uh, get with uh, Kyla in the Welcome Center, and we'll print some more up for you, and we'll get them for you. But um, if you didn't get one, just make sure you do that. But, but this is the vision that the Lord has for our church, 2017. Arise, taking back our city, one step at a time. What can we do? How can we do, how can we do that, possibly? That's a huge task. Three things. First, you can pray intentionally. Pray intentionally about, for the leadership of this church, man that we would be filled with the Spirit, that we would have wisdom beyond our wisdom, that it would be God's wisdom that would fill us. For the, for the elders of the church, that, that they would be filled with the Spirit of God as we seek out what does it mean for us, Lord? How do you want us to, to, to accomplish these things? Secondly, to pray about how you can be involved in that. What is God calling you to do? Because this, this is a church-wide event. This is something God is calling all of us to. Not just me, not just the elders, not just the leadership of the church, but all of you. He's calling us all. Lord, what would, what would you have me do as it relates to this? And thirdly, that you would pray for the hearts of the people of Columbia, Tennessee. Listen, there are so many people in this community that need Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I want to see them come to Christ. I want to see people come to Christ because without him they're destined for hell man I don't wish that on anyone I know God wants to do great things so pray intentionally number two live intentionally consecrate yourself set yourself apart say Lord I'm just going to set myself apart now for what it is that you would have me to do I want to know your will in my life. Listen, God may call you somewhere else. Praise God. We want his will done in our life. We're not looking to build a church. We're looking to build the church. And maybe God has a ministry for you somewhere else. Whatever the case is, consecrate yourself unto him. Live intentionally. Be holy, for I am holy. Don't allow sin to captivate your life. 
Let Jesus and the Holy Spirit captivate you. Number three, that you would follow intentionally, that you would do whatever he tells you to do. Don't, 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 not, don't shirk what the Holy Spirit lays on your heart to do this year. Don't live with regret. Don't be the Moses on Mount Nebo that is overlooking the promised land going, man, I wish I, I wish I could go. I wish I could lead the people. So pray intentionally, live intentionally, and follow intentionally. Amen? Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your word, and we thank you for this time. As we just prepare our hearts, Lord, for communion, we ask that you would just bend us to your will. Lord, we ask you to just draw us close to you, Father, that our hearts would be in sync with your heart. This morning, Lord, that you would have your way in us. It's a new day, Lord. You have a new vision. Your mercies are new. Forgiveness is available. Lord, we just come before you, and we ask that you would just move in our midst even now, that you would draw all men to yourself, and that our hearts would be prepared to partake of the bread and the cup that represents the sacrifice that was taken on our behalf, Jesus Christ, our Savior. And so, Lord, as we continue on in this mode of worship, we just ask you by your spirit now to move in our hearts and just let us have an intimate time, just you and us, one-on-one, -on -one, allowing your spirit to move. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. You can hear more of Pastor Tim's studies through the Word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's Word.